they can spin around, roll around, because this really activates and helps their vestibular system in their body. If you're able to develop that, then um, you are for the long term, helping your child be able to, you know, have better attention, um, better um, emotional regulation, and also um, be able to have better, you know, um, generally movement and balance system that will help them become successful in their other aspects of life. This is Raising Mums, the podcast that raises up Muslim mums like you so that you can raise your children well. And here's your host, Dr. Gemma. The Irish playwright George Bernard Shaw wrote, We don't stop playing because we grow old. We grow old because we stop playing. The more progress and the more we learn about child development, the more it becomes apparent that play is vitally important. Many of you will be familiar with the saying from Ali ibn Abi Talib, may Allah be pleased with him. He's reported to have said, play with your children for seven years, then teach them for seven years, and then befriend them for seven years. Without a doubt, there is wisdom in that, and it is the way that many traditional societies of the past and of today still raise their children. In today's episode, I'm delighted to share an interview with Pei Abdul-Wahid, who is a mother of three, originally from the Philippines, but now living in the US, who is really trying to live out this in her life and with her children. And through her work online, she inspires many Muslim families to prioritize play in the early years. So if you're curious about what the big deal is about play and why you really need to prioritize it in those early years, you better keep listening because Pei has some real gems to share with us today. Right, let's go. So, assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh, everybody. My name is Pei, and I'm a stay-at-home mom to three kids, five and under. Um, prior to being a stay-at-home mom, I work as a pediatric occupational therapist for 10 years. So you live in what part of the U.S., Pei? I live in Connecticut right now, but I came from the Philippines uh, before I got married. Okay, so all of your kids were born in the U.S.? Yes, that's correct. Okay, and so you have now made that decision to homeschool your little kids. You've got three kids, five and under. How did that all come about? Um, actually, I was thinking about this idea just when my firstborn was um, was very little. So, but one of our, my, my families, my sister actually has been homeschooling her child when they were still very small. So I had a little bit of an idea, but not a very concrete one on how it really looks or how it works. So when my first child was born, I was really reading heavily on child development, parenting. And along that journey, I kind of got reunited with the idea of homeschooling. And therefore I started researching and I bumped into guess whose YouTube, your YouTube channel and your podcast, and then Instagram. So I don't know if you remember, but I actually have mistaken you with a different mentor. 
And I emailed you right in the first, like, can I go to your course? Can I enroll? But that time, yeah, you said you haven't launched your 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 course yet. So I was oh, like, right. oh no. <laughs> yeah. So from then on, I started reading more of your work and your blog and followed your first ever course, which is your launcher homeschool. And I made one of the my very first investments in homeschool. That's my very first course for the record. And <laughs> when I got it, I was sold. And I think I like that's one of my best courses that I took. And until now, and I, I can say that it's totally worth it. And yeah, with that guidance, inshallah, I've been continuing homeschooling my children. That's brilliant. So, I mean, thank you so much for your kind words about the course. That's That means a lot to me. Um, but what, what I'm really struck with there is how how you found your own way through a lot of research, a lot of reading, and no doubt a lot of soul searching. Um, now your kids are still quite young. The eldest is it's five, is that right? Yeah, that's correct. That's so correct. what does a typical homeschooling day look like for you? Well, since my kids are very close in age, it's it was a little bit hard and bumpy at the start. Um, it has been always a challenge keeping them in the house and out of the house. So the only time that I felt that they truly engage for a long time is when they're out in nature or um, they're doing unstructured play. So a big part of our homeschool day is really going out on nature walk, going to playgrounds, driving to different museums, trampoline parks. So these are, you know, such wonderful invitations for them to play safely and creatively in an unstructured way. I could sit back, I get myself some time and relax a bit while watching them explore on their own terms. Um, well, very minimally right now, they started to attend semi-structured classes, um, still movement-based, um, and some nature play groups to just introduce them to the idea of working with a group and exposing them to a different figure that other than me. And as a former OT, I kind of greatly advocate uh, movement and nature in our homeschooling. Um, to me, and based on research, movement is like movement is really like food for their brain. Their brain grows so much with movement, and movement turns their brain to pay attention to whatever we're learning. So for a while, we've been doing um nature class to give them social opportunities to work with other kids of different ages and adults and uh, it's something that honors their creativity and extended unstructured play in nature to sum up my priority at this age it all actually boils down to social and emotional development play nature and learning about the dean yeah um that's that's basically fascinating there. pay thank you so much there's so much i want to dive into there if if you don't mind no um problem. first of all there's going to be a lot of people who who are listening who are not really sure what the difference between unstructured play and structured play is can you can you shed some light on that well, a structured play is basically um, adult, like adult-led play. So you you kind of um, give um, like a cookie cutter activity for for your kids. So you have prepared activity sets for them, but they're playing as well. But unstructured play is like you're just preparing the environment for them, and they can do whatever they want and express whatever you know, however they want to play with some with some of the things that you have in your environment. 
So why do you prioritize that kind of play, the unstructured play over structured play? Unstructured, um, unstructured play has so many benefits for, for kids because, um, you know, when, when it's unstructured, they get to practice their own creativity. They, they get to do things um, from their own ide ideation. And there's only limits that adults can give them ideas. And sometimes, you know, we adults have only certain ideas because of our upbringing and culture or whatever we experience, but kids, their brains are just unlimited. Um, we are giving them all the idea to, all the, the chances to, to really explore on what sometimes it can be silly, but you know, they can express whatever they want. Yeah, it's that idea of self-expression. There's, mm -hmm. there's a psychiatrist called Susan Lynn, and she, she wrote that play is the foundation of learning, creativity, self-expression, and constructive problem solving. And that's exactly what you're talking about there, Pei. Um, yeah. But she also goes on to talk about how in children use play to make life meaningful, to give life meaning, and also to, I mean, I've heard this spoken about before, how play is a way for children to, to deal with big emotions and, and mm -hmm. issues that arise in their life. I mean, have you ever seen that in your own children? I know personally that, you know, when my, when my boys were struggling with various issues when they were growing up, going outdoors and just being a bit um, boisterous outside in nature really helped them to, to deal with big and difficult emotions. Have you seen that in your own children? Oh, yes, definitely, definitely. It's a very big part of um, play is going out in nature and doing whatever they want. Because we have, you're right, that it's it really helps with emotional regulation. Because back when I was an OT, we would give kids who have difficulty with emotional regulation, we would give them different types of play where they can really express themselves. And also they, they can move to be able to calm down and you know, kids become ready to learn when they move. It's like there's oxygen going to their brain. And when you give them ample time to play in order to be ready to learn, then it's going to be all smoother. Mm -hmm. And there's a research saying that when you're in nature, it like lowers down your cortisol level as well. So mm -hmm. that's what helps in emotional regulation with kids and both kids and adults, I guess. I mean, you've touched on something really interesting there, how play can actually help children to learn. I think there is this idea that those two things are separate, that you know, you either are learning, your kids are either learning, they're doing their school or they're playing. And there isn't any sort of interconnection there. Um, but you know, just looking at your Instagram account, even for a few minutes, um, really helps to break down that barrier. And I encourage everyone who's listening to go and check out Pay's Instagram account. I'll leave that in the show notes. Tell me a little bit more about what that looks like in your home you told me you know how what your day looks like and how you take your kids out often but you know there are a lot of mums listening who maybe play isn't something that comes naturally they grew up in a way where they didn't get a lot of opportunity to play they don't see that around them how how does it look for you and maybe if you have some tips of how mums who are listening can start to incorporate more play in their children's lives yeah um okay um like in my house we we're lucky to have like a yard but uh, most of the time if we don't have that space we go to different playgrounds in a state so when we do that i actually give them ample time to really play and dig in um physically so they could do whatever they want in the playground and give them the right just right challenge 
to engage in, you know, risky movements because this is the way that they learn. And I don't know if I think you're familiar with um, the vestibular system of a child mm. and how it relates to attention and emotional regulation. And we all get this from playing physically in outside and in the playground. So when we um, are able to give them ample time to move and not just to move, that they can spin around, roll around, because this really activates and helps their vestibular system in their body. If you're able to develop that, then um, you are, for the long term, helping your child be able to, you know, have better attention, um, better um, emotional regulation, and also um, be able to have better, you know, um, generally movement and balance system that will help them become successful in their other aspects of life. You mentioned something there about risk taking. I think that's a really interesting part of play as well, isn't it? That children are able to assess, you know, what they are capable and what they're not capable of, what what they are not capable of, and then slowly build up their confidence. Um, are there any other benefits of play that we haven't touched upon perhaps um you know resiliency do you see that as a as a benefit of play being resilient developing what people call grit nowadays mm-hmm. oh definitely yes um like to um if i can recall my other child who is he easily gets frustrated and then we go to like nature um walk or trail sometimes he just falls so many times at like few meters uh, distance and he gets he cries and he you know he gets upset and frustrated but still when he's having fun and everybody is giving him the chance to um, take a risk and let him fall and you know lovingly encourage him that it's okay if he makes mistakes then um, he's able to you know um, get through it so as we did it um, he became more comfortable in falling and and getting injured um, safely, you know, not not too dangerously injured, but he got more um, confident in doing that. And so eventually, alhamdulillah, he was able to become more resilient when he falls down. And and aside from that, he also learned the the art of, you know, um, standing up whenever he falls. That's... I mean, can we get really granular here, Pei? I want you to just walk me through this, okay? So say you're going to go on a nature walk with your three little kids. Uh, What do you do when you're there? Or what do you do even to prepare for something like that, if that's going to be helpful for you? And then when you're there, what do you do? Because I think a lot of people, especially when it comes to outdoor activities, they either feel very lost or maybe they put too much structure in that. So can you tell us a little bit about on a very granular level, what you're taking with you, what you really, what you're doing with your children when you're out and about? So for me, before I decide on a place where we go, especially in nature walk, I would always consider the, the skills of my kids. So I have five years old and under, so I would check on an environment where they can be safe, but also um, be able to challenge themselves a little bit more. Like, for example, I would... I would choose a park with some rocks or some, you know, um, 
uh, bridges on it, but not to, you know, very, very um, um, dangerous ones, which are more, more for adults. So um, I will research on it. I will look for how the park looks like. And then I would see how other moms also, but you have also those um, forums where I, I ask moms, is this okay for this um, age range? And when we go there, then I have to make sure that I am there to, um, to guide them and to also give them the 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 chance to take because these kids like to you know to climb on the rocks and all do some dangerous things sometimes they don't really know that the the risk of it but at the same time I have to balance it with encouragement and also um being able to catch them safely um during those um trips so do you prompt do you prompt their little adventures when they want to climb up a tree or scramble up a rock do you say, oh, look at that? Or do you let them lead the way? How does it usually work? I would usually follow where they're going to be interested in. Mm-hmm. And when I see something is interesting, I would try to prompt them a little bit. But the thing that I just try to avoid doing is, uh, which is sometimes it's going to be part of our automatic reaction as a parent, is to tell them to stop doing that, don't go there, it's dangerous, and all that. Maybe rewording um, some of the phrases to um, ha- to make them more aware of the, the quote-unquote danger that, that may come along their way will, will help. Like, for example, um, I could say, like, for a, a, if there's a, a thorn in front of of wherever they're walking I could say like oh uh, do you see this or or can I go uh, do you think this is better this way is better or the other way is better so they get to assess which one is a dangerous way to go to so as much as possible I I don't use the word stop or don't do that Mm. or that's so, so dangerous you, I, if I get this correctly, at the moment, the way things look for you and your children is that you don't have any any sort of bookwork or, or not too much bookwork. It's mainly unstructured play and a lot of time outdoors, although you have started to bring in some semi-structured classes like nature study. Is that correct? Yeah, that's true, because uh, right now um, I'm really banking on the idea of really solidifying their foundations for learning and I know that these academics will come when this um, foundation is more solid at this stage so sometimes there are um, things like uh, letters and, and numbers that they learn from where we go like the park the grocery stores or or things that I see in books so that's when I um, that's one when where the academic comes in but I try as much as possible to not make them feel my agenda of teaching because sometimes mm. I can feel resistance from that if you know I would try to start teaching them something that they're not really in- interested in yet. is that something that you plan to do from the start did you always think that you were not going to start formal schooling early or is this something that has evolved um, over time if I base my my judgment on what I read like um, in terms of research I had the understanding that it is very beneficial for me to start later Mm -hmm. um than earlier for them that's my that's my understanding and uh from what I learned to us my profession before um but it's sometimes it's like the culture is just so difficult to go against yes so everybody is there doing this and you see you know 
people are sharing that my kids can write, my kids can read at age three. So it's kind of <laughs> like, you know, if you have that internal voice, but that's talking so loudly and, you know, you're starting homeschooling, it's just so difficult to stick to what you know is based on research, based on the neurosciences. Yeah. So there are times that I would like, mm, maybe I would try introducing letters or try doing handwriting but then I would try a little bit and then I would see like how much my kids would like just stay two minutes and five minutes and they go away as compared to me uh, focusing on play and I don't need to do a lot of things but they're so engaged in doing it and I know that play can just um, develop or just benefit all uh, all areas of development in a child so no I think that's fantastic I think you know a lot of people will agree with you they've heard the same things as you're talking about the benefits of play the benefits of delaying formal education but not many people have the guts to do it so I want to really acknowledge you for doing that um, that does take guts <laughs> so uh, well done to you and no doubt your children will will reap the benefits inshallah um, so Let's go back to the questions I was supposed to ask you. I think I could talk to you for hours about this. Actually, before we go on, Pei, before we move on to a different topic, do you have any resources or book titles or anything that you can recommend to people who want to know more about the importance of play or why you should be delaying formal education or anything like that that you can recommend to our listeners? Uh, yeah, um, right now for um play i really love following um uh, the 1000 hours outside um i think her name is Ginny, mm -hmm. and uh, um i also love um re love the reading about um it's like balanced and barefoot by um angela hanscom she's an occupational therapist who who really advocated um outdoor play for for children so those are really good resources for oh, thank now. You. We'll, we'll put those the links for those in the show notes so anybody who wants to to learn more about this can can check that out um so could you share with us a recent win from your homeschooling uh life and perhaps a difficulty that has arisen as well and, and how you overcame that yeah um i think for me really raising three um kids who are very young was difficult and um i've tried my best to, to really do inner work for myself okay because that i think is the very um most important for me is like to reparent myself that's why i really love your podcast named raising moms mm -hmm. which is basically the main purpose of parenting so for me i think um i have started being a uh, I've started to be able to understand myself better in terms of relating with my children and knowing that um, homeschooling is not really about what I teach to them because they can teach themselves, but it's really more about my relationship with them. Yes, that's so good. <laughs> Sorry, carry on. <laughs> yeah, so so yeah, I, I really try to anchor myself on that idea because it's sometimes I get caught up to um, the things that I want to teach them because I am a, a teacher, an occupation, like a teacher too myself. So I get caught up of what I want to teach them, but really it's, it's really me 
being able to have that solid relationship with them. So, so it's easier for me to influence them instead of yeah. letting them uh, um, do whatever I want them to learn. Mm. I mean, it's something that we hear a lot. And um, you've probably heard this as well. When people say they would like to homeschool their kids, but they're worried it's going to damage the relationship they have with them. Um, do you have any advice for people who feel like that, who feel like they would like to, but they're concerned, you know, that they are flawed, that they're not this perfect person. And if their kids are at home with them all day long, they're going to somehow damage their child. Do you have any advice for moms who, who think along those lines? Um, yeah, I think I learned this from you too, that um, he, if I could give a backstory, it's like I had one time where I almost break down and I, the first thing I I had that same feeling that I can't do this anymore because it's so hard. And when I tried to distract myself and open something and I went into your podcast, your the first thing I saw was you are enough. That was your your title. And I think, yeah, everybody can be can homeschool their children, but with homeschooling, I think there has to be a a, an, a great intention higher than yourself. Mm. And um it's very also very important along your journey. You don't need to bombard yourself with all the knowledge and get overwhelmed, but at least um, try as much as you can to learn about you know child development and um, eradicate some of the ideas that you have as a student from coming from a school system. Mm-hmm. And that's that's something that I think is a, a little bit difficult for me to to break, and I'm starting to learn that. So if you could learn from other parents who have been there, then read as much as you can, and also for um, join a, a a community where you can, you know, um, talk about things um, that are important, and you have the same mindset that could help you in your journey, I guess. Yeah, definitely. And you spoke about before about working on yourself as well. Um, I think, you know, and that is something that even if you're not home educating, that's something that we all do. Um, And I think when you do homeschool your kids, suddenly you're more aware of of the way you think and the way you behave and how that is impacting your children. And perhaps it gives us more motivation to actually tackle those inner struggles that maybe we didn't even realize we had before. Um, so thank you for that. That's really interesting. So would you say that you have changed, you know, since you obviously as a mother, we all change drastically, but in those years of being a mother and homeschooling your kids have, how have you changed as a woman, as a, as a person? Very deep, I guess it's, um, I know I'm in the beginning of my, my growth as a person and as a mom, but it's just, um, it's, I've grown a lot, but still I am um, doing a lot of deep work for now. Mm. For for example, I want to be a, like a role model to my children, and and I'm in the middle of I'm in the middle of growth pains, and that's very difficult. Um, learning to be respectful and gentle with my children in a consistent way, but also not expecting that instant gratification, so I don't get frustrated, and that's that's a big thing for me. So I think, yes, I've grown a lot, but I know that there's a lot more to, to achieve, to be more conscious in my own actions, in my own thinking. Yeah, and, and a lot more to look forward to, no doubt. Inshallah. Yes, inshallah, yes. Um, so as we wrap up, 
please share with the audience your top three favorite homeschooling resources? Oh, okay. My top three would be, of course, it's our Muslim homeschool. That's always my number one. And the one that I greatly learned from also one of my mentors is um, the leaders amongst mothers by um, that's Sister Noor. And um, another one would be, I guess, I since I'm doing the deep work, I try to learn as much as I can from Dr. Shefali for, for conscious parenting. Oh, yes. Okay. I'm familiar with her books, but um, I, I didn't know that she does more work online and things. Is that, is that, does she have a membership that you're a part of, or is it just her books that you read? Um, I have her books, but I also um, took her conscious parenting course. I didn't finish oh, wow. it, yet, but yeah, her, she has a conscious parenting um, course that really tackles more for mothers not or for parents, not more about children. Okay. Oh, well, that's interesting. So we will put the links to those as well in the show notes for anyone who wants to check that out. Mm-hmm. So if you were to give advice, if you were to go to your younger self when you first began educating your children at home, what would you tell yourself? What would you wish you had known? I I think that um, for my younger self, I would say that I just have to be, give myself grace and time to learn. And because um, it really takes a lot of learning to, to be able to do this. But at the same time, you have to, um, you know, not be hard on yourself because it's something very difficult to do. And... Yes, I guess that's that's about it. That's so brilliant because we are so hard on ourselves, aren't we, as mothers? Um, mm-hmm. We expect perfection from ourselves, but we would never expect it from from anybody else. So I think, yes, grace to yourself is is a beautiful way to end. Thank you so much for being on the Raising Mums podcast. Pay where can our listeners find you online if they'd like to connect? Oh, I, I'm just on Instagram, and it's the name is Mama Pay Place. So I just share some of my like everyday lives as a homeschool mom in that platform. So everybody go and check that out. The link for that again will be in the show notes. Wasn't that fantastic? I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Pei as much as I did. Make sure you head over to Instagram and follow her at Mama Pei Plays. Thank you so much for joining me here today. Have a beautiful week. Assalamu alaikum.